Welcome to More Human, the show where we share the stories that encourage leaders to make their businesses and organizations more human. I'm your host, Jeremy Newlick. This is season one, episode one, and with me today in our studio is <laughs> the the Dutch way. All right, yeah, now there's sure. Jurgen Apollo. Jurgen Apollo. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Jurgen joined us for our July 18th Be Human Salon as part of his U.S. tour. He's the author of the book Managing for Happiness. It's a bunch of experiments for business leaders to use with their teams. Jurgen is an engaging, world-traveling speaker, writer, or thinker. But that's not how he describes himself. Um, I usually use the words creative networker for myself, which still is sort of cryptic for other people, I suppose. But um, I create a lot of stuff. I create courseware. I create uh, training materials. And I write books. And I write blog posts. And mm -hmm. I'm, I've always been a very creative person. Even the illustrations in my books are made by, my, by myself, uh, hand-drawn. And um, and I am very much into networked organizations. I believe that we have to uh, to uh, use hierarchies where they're where they're uh, good for and and not too much. And we should switch more much more to networked forms of, of collaboration. And I'm very much a, a networked oriented person myself. So that's why I call myself a creative networker. Interesting. So you're applying that same thinking, that same thing that's kind of natural to you and, and what you have gumption for to the way an organization works together. Exactly. I have found, at least in my work, when I was a manager at various organizations, that whenever I uh, looked at things from a more networked perspective, that things worked better. Uh, and when I stopped doing things from a hierarchical perspective, which I didn't like anyway. Right. Yeah. So is that some of the purpose behind this, this latest book you have and the reason you came to St. Louis to talk to us is around managing for happiness. That's the name of the, the book. You know, I took a look at it and it, it reads like a, like a textbook or almost like an encyclopedia for, you know, how you can revamp your management structure. Um, but I didn't know what some of your purpose behind this particular book was. Well, I had uh, written a few books before. The first one was called Manage with 3.0. And uh, that was uh, both theory and practice, and it was from uh, uh, it was uh, it described my thinking about the role of the manager in software organizations. And after I had written it, people said, "Well, this is a great management book. If you uh, blot out all the references to software, you basically have a good book for for any kind of creative organization." And uh, we would like to have more practical stuff, please, and less theory. So I set out to th write that kind of book, a very practical book. I, I, I literally had on my, on my definition of done, as we call it, uh, the, that, that each chapter should be uh, uh, actionable and you, could, you should be able to do it the very next day um, to introduce those games or tools or, or practices. And I made sure there was no reference to software anymore except where it was really, really needed. <laughs> right. So you, you made it use it more user-friendly for, for people who could right. implement exactly. any of the ideas. Exactly. I wanted a book uh, that would end up in the business section of, uh, of the bookstores and not in the software section anymore. Um, and I wanted something that people could see as a field guide or a recipe book that they could start play with and experiment with the very next day in their, in, in their office. And do you think that's how change takes place in organizations? Like if you look at the way that if you run into your typical sort of mid-sized company and they have a very unhierarchical structure, but they're realizing some pain, the thing that you that seems to be suggested by the book you have is 
try some of this stuff, experiment with this and see where it leads you? So do you kind of act yourself into new thinking? Yes. Is that how it works? Yes, I, I, I very much believe that. I believe that it is all about people running experiments. I often suggest that people should try and stop using the word change, uh, as in change programs and, 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 and changing the organization in big transformations, um, uh, because then that invites resistance. People don't want to be changed by other people. I don't want to be changed by anyone, but I love running experiments. I love trying things out and exploring and, 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 and playing games. And a lot of that involves um, uh, change that you do unto yourself. So that is what I try to do with my book, offer lots of suggestions for people to try on their own or with their team or as a manager or as a non-manager, because I believe that many people are responsible for management, not just the managers, but everyone around them as well. And uh, let's drop, try and change everyone else, but just change ourselves. Sure. No, I noticed that in the book when you said, who's responsible for the way the organization works? And it's like, it's not just the managers that are responsible. And so, you know, what when, in some of the work you've done when you've approached a company and maybe they had a high amount of resistance to some of the ideas, I'm sure that you've run into this before. They had some resistance to the ideas that you were that you were trying to impress upon them. What was a way that that you can remember that really cracked through that that they started trying something? I what I notice is that change happens when people uh, run things on their own and with their teams in a spontaneous effort that is much more effective than managers trying to impose change programs onto uh, other other people. And uh, it is interesting that, that um, I, um, uh, I notice that many of the questions that people have are about changing other people. Uh, I, I had literally as a question in my workshops, I've done many workshops around the world, about 150 of them in, in many countries. And at the start of the workshop, I always ask people, what, what are the biggest questions that you have that start with, how can we? And usually the questions were with, like, how can we measure people's performance? Or how can we convince them that this practice is needed? Or how can we uh, get the managers involved? And it was always about them. It was almost all the questions were about how do we deal with them? Somebody who's external. <laughs> right. Yeah, yes. Any, some, Everyone. A, a mass of people that right. all need to change. Exactly. It was all like, me. I know what we should be doing, but they are not getting it. Right. <laughs> and uh, and that was like a pattern. I thought, okay, well, what about what about the, 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 the famous Gandhi quote? Be the change that you want to see in the world. Sure. Or, or lead by example. It's such a... It's a cliche, but it, it's a cliche because it's true. Sure. And that is what I try to achieve with, with my writing. I offer people things that they can do for themselves. And then hopefully they're a, they're a shining light for others and then a beacon for others to, uh, to, <laughs> to hold on to and, uh, and, uh, and, and follow. So, um, yeah, be the change you want to see. Right. So if you're a manager and you pick up a copy of Managing for Happiness, what you'll be beset by are this panoply of, of, of games, strategies, ideas, and whatever one speaks to you in that moment, it's something that you can grab hold of and just, as you say, run an experiment. You don't have to change anyone. Exactly, run yes. An experiment. So uh, I have lots of suggestions like personal maps, for example. Make a, pers make a mind map of a person. Well, I started with a personal map of myself, and I shared it with the people that I was working with, with my team. And look, this is a mind map of me. 
uh, with my name in the middle and then around it my hobbies and friends and family and my goal in life, etc. And people found that fascinating. And then they started asking questions about it. What does this mean? And what about that? And then I said, well, what, why don't you make one yourself? And then I will make, uh, ask questions about it as well. And now it is a favorite practice among my team members. And every time when we hire a new person, they insist that we, that we see their personal map. It's one of the first things that we act, expect from, from uh, new employees, that they make a personal map, and then we are going to ask questions uh, about that map. Interesting. And uh, I was the one who started. And as I said, I led by example. The very first personal map was by me, about me. But the inspiration to keep going and for moving it forward wasn't one that you said, okay, now by uh, March 14th at 3 p.m., everyone will have their personal map done, and then we're going to review them and make sure you did it right, and then you'll get a reward based on doing it right or not doing it right. No, 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 not at all. Absolutely right, it was no. more so like, no, I just, here's something I've decided to embark exactly, upon, and yes. I invite you to come with me. That's the way it was an experiment. Yeah. Uh, like this, uh, hey, um, I did this. Uh, I thought it was uh, fun and interesting. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. And uh, what about uh, running this experiment uh, together? Let's see if this, this works. Well, it turned out it was very successful. I also used it afterwards in my workshops at, uh, at the mm-hmm. start of workshops and get people, complete strangers, to draw their own personal maps and start asking questions about, about them of, of each other. And that's just one of... 20 or something practices in, in, in the book that you can start by yourself and then uh, uh, invite other people to join you in the experiment. Interesting. So when you do these workshops, I'm assuming you're doing with any number of kinds of groups of people, right? I mean, you've got large Fortune 500 company type sizes. And well, yeah, I've always done public workshops because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and now I'm not doing any workshops anymore because everything is delegated to mm-hmm. nearly 200 trainers in the world who mm-hmm. offer my workshops. Uh, locally in their countries and often in their own languages. And I just uh, see to the production of, of the quarter materials, um, which is uh, a challenge in itself. Uh, I would imagine. Uh, uh, already. Um, but whenever I did workshops, I did the public ones because I like that more. You have people from, from different organizations sharing their perspectives, and there were some startups in the room and indeed some people from large companies like HR or, or senior or mid level management, uh, some independent consultants and coaches with their perspective. And I find that a more interesting environment uh, for me as a writer and speaker because I can draw on many more minds yeah. and, uh, for, for examples and stories. But um, of course, there are lots of other people going into organizations then go deeper you know, to solve specific uh, uh, problems of those, uh, of those companies, which I cannot do because I am the global traveler. I like, I'm like the, the, the global bumblebee. Yeah. I, <laughs> I share stories across around. the world. Right. I'm flying around literally. Literally, yes. <laughs> uh, I have this, uh, this 30,000 feet of view of, of the world. Yeah. And, uh, you have I'm, a gold card now, I yeah, imagine. Yeah, yes, with all the major alliances. And that's a privilege, of course, to be in that, in that position, but it means that I have a broad view, but I don't go deep into in, in, in certain companies, because then I say, well, I, I'm going to hand it over to someone else who's, uh, who's ex- more experienced in that specific industry or that country or, or whatever. Interesting. Now, you know, it's because you go all over the world, and you're, I mean, your book and called Managing for Happiness, does happiness mean something different in different cultures throughout the world? Is happiness, are there things that you think transcend, in other words, the human experience at work? that don't 
that that's, aren't beholden to culture? Or that's a great question. I, I haven't looked into that, to be honest. I do notice that people have different interpretations uh, of it. And um, there's, um, there's famous uh, uh, lists of the happiest countries on the planet and, and things like that. And sometimes the most... Uh, they tend uh, to be Scandinavian. Um, Scandinavian, say, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, Scandinavian. Uh, the Netherlands, where I'm from, yeah. uh, tends to score as well, uh, uh, good as well. But also sometimes company, uh, countries that you wouldn't expect, like Bhutan or mm-hmm. or, uh, or Argentina, right. or, uh, that uh, turn out to be quite happy countries, but you wouldn't believe it if you looked at yeah. them across domestic product or per, per capita or yeah, whatever. exactly. If you Appar- look at it on paper, ostensibly, you're like, right. how could you be happy? Right? Apparently, so that's proof in itself that you don't need a high level of, 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 uh, of uh, income to, uh, to achieve happiness. Right. Uh, but I'm sure the reports and, and those, the, the, these researchers use different definitions and different questionnaires to right. arrive at their definition of happiness. Well, what do you hope people, we'll just wrap up with one more question. What do you hope people get out of the day today when they come and see you speak, when, when this group comes in here in St. Louis? What do you hope that they receive from you today? For me, um, I like to summarize the, the thinking in my book to manage the system and not the people. Mm-hmm. And I will be emphasizing that a couple of times. Um, because in the past, I have been managing people directly, and that never, that never really works. Uh, it doesn't scale. Um, I'm not good at it uh, anyways. And uh, nowadays, with self-organizing teams and, uh, and, and other movements, including uh, agile uh, development and, and, and lean, etc., uh, we've learned that it's better for people to manage each other uh, instead of the manager managing everyone. But mm. the manager still has a job to do, which is create an environment where it's possible for people to manage each other. Mm. Uh, so you're taking a, a step back. You're still doing work, but it's at a, at a higher um, uh, abstraction level, you're, you're managing the environment in which people are doing great work. So mm-hmm. that I call it managing the system and mm-hmm. not the people directly. And I hope that they will remember that. Excellent. Jurgen, thank you for coming in today. Well, thank really you for the invite. It's great being here. <laughs> thank you. The Be Human Project is sponsored by Spot Media Production Group and Big White Sky. More Human is produced by Elliot Frick, founder of the Be Human Project and the team at Big White Sky, a human business consultancy. The music today is provided by Snarky Puppy, and I recommend listening to more of their catalog at snarkypuppy.com. And if you like anything you've heard for the last 15 minutes, check out more stories at behumanproject.net. And visit often. We love humans.